open up your Bibles to Luke, the sixth chapter. Um, this whole set of Scripture through this whole context here is pretty fascinating to me in Luke 6. He's really teaching people how to get results with God in, in various different ways. And a lot of times people think, if I'm going to get something from God, it's going to be because of God and God only, and will have nothing to do with me. But how many of you know that? That's just not true. Uh, in other words, Jesus died for everybody, but not everybody's going to be saved. And it's not because God didn't want them saved. It's that they chose not to be saved. They chose not to receive the Lord. Well, is that the only choice I have, you know, compared to the rest of my life? The rest of it's fully on God? No, the Bible tells us if you're willing and you're obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So, guess what? The blessings of God are uh, determined, you know, not only by God, but by us, so to speak. And um, there is a flow constantly from God. I mean, there is just a flow from Him, but I have to cooperate with that flow. You know, a lot of people think weird things about God, like, you know, He may just be doing bad stuff, you know, and hurting you and stuff. God doesn't have bad for people. He doesn't intend bad for your life. You know, bad things may occur, but He didn't promote those, push those. And so we're going to look here at a couple of different stories, but if you, you know, go back later on, he'll talk about if you love people, how it will cause blessing in your life. If you give to people, give to church, it will cause things to come back. It talks about how to be effective if you want to minister to other people effectively. All these things are there, and a lot of it has to do with things that I personally do to make myself more effective. And so we're going to read in verse 43. You with me? Luke 6, 43. We're going to read two stories and look at two parts, uh, well, couple parts from each one. Luke 6, 43 says this, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. You know what Jesus is doing? He's doing what he did so many times. He was giving a natural illustration, just like maybe pointing to a tree and say, see that tree right there? That good tree bears good fruit. And you know, there are some trees you don't dare eat the fruit. You know, and uh, because some of the fruit is actually poisonous to people, to birds, to things like that, and, and you would not eat that. And so all he's saying here is, look, a good tree does not bear bad fruit. Somebody said, well, that's pretty simple. Exactly. He said, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. Now, when you go to Home Depot or to some one of these stores that sells fruit trees or Costco, when they've got them, if you ever notice, normally there's not fruit on them. So they'll put a little tag there with a picture of a lemon or a lime or a pomegranate or whatever it is, so you know what that thing will bear later on. And so, but if you bought a more mature one and bought it at the right time, you would know that tree by its fruit. You'd go, oh, that, that produces this. 
And he said, for every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns. Here we go again. Making it simple. And he's not, he's just telling you naturally, listen. And he said, nor do you gather or do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. You know, another type of thorny bush. You, you don't get grapes there. And, but then he goes on to describe people. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Isn't it interesting? He said, if you examine a natural tree, you can tell what it is and you know what it's going to always produce. And so then he totally changes and starts talking about human beings. If you're wondering why these people keep doing the things they do, he said, there's a heart issue there. You with me? Now, you can give your life to the Lord. You can surrender your life to the Lord, and He will begin to influence your heart. But here's the whole thing. We all know Christians who have brought forth some bad stuff because what they did was, like this verse says, it says a good man out of the, notice this phrase, good treasure. Good treasure. You know, you know what a treasure is? You know, you watch a pirate movie and they're going for the treasure and they open up the box sometimes and, or chest and open it up, it's empty. Why would it be empty? Either somebody took what was in there or somebody didn't put something in there. And we know this, that we have a responsibility to put good things in our own heart. Let me say that again. We have a responsibility to put good things in our heart. How do you get a virus on your computer? Something gets put in there. And it starts fouling up the system. Then what you do is you go, well, that's no big deal. We can just ignore that. Go on about our business. The computer will be fine. No, it won't. We know that sometimes it will slow way down. Won't function like it should. Sometimes it'll make the whole thing crash because of something that got in there. Then either you or you have to pay somebody to get that thing out of there. Why? Because when bad gets in there, it begins to affect. Now, Jesus was trying to tell people, you're not left to your own. In other words, he's not just saying bad people are always going to produce bad and good people are always going to produce good. He's basically saying whatever you will put as treasure in your heart, as in our case, as a believer, eventually you will start to bring forth good things and it will be effortless. But many people are trying to be legalistic about their life and they're like, okay, I need to keep this rule and keep this rule and keep this rule and do this thing. You with me? And people normally that are legalistic about their life and have all these rules about their life usually uh, become very critical of people who don't live according to those same rules. 
Thank you for your excitement. In the Bible, there were religious people. They were called Pharisees. And they did, could not stand when somebody did not live according to these legalistic rules they had. And it's interesting, Jesus would rebuke them. But isn't it interesting, Jesus lived better than all of them, but he wasn't legalistic toward people who sinned. Now, he'd tell them, go and don't sin anymore. He wasn't for it, and he wasn't like, it's okay, you can just live how you want to live, and it's just cool and everything. No, but why did sinners like him? Not because they stayed the same, but he approached things a little different. And when we're legalistic in our life, in our approach towards living a certain way, we'll get real frustrated with other people who don't live that way. Here's a big danger. When you fall off the wagon of living that way, you will get really frustrated with yourself. Because you just won't be meeting the perfect measure, which is just perfect for you. Thank you. Thank you. It's the truth. Now, remember, this isn't an excuse for living wrong, but he basically tells you if you want to change your life, change your heart. Your spirit, when you receive the Lord, becomes new. You need to get your heart in line with, and heart would be the core way you think and believe, in line with who you are in Christ after you give your life to the Lord. And then when your heart that's, that gets that way, it will start coming out. And you will have something to act on. It won't be a legalistic thing. The sad thing is, is when we become legalistic about our walk and think, well, they're just not accepted by God because they don't walk as good as I do. No, you don't get accepted by your merit anyway. You get accepted by God by receiving Jesus, period. Free gift. End of story. And I know people don't like that, but, you know, that's tough. It's usually the legalistic ones. Thank you. God loves you regardless. He loves everybody who goes to hell. Flat out. So I could be nice to everybody, but that doesn't mean I agree or they come into my inner circle. You know, if I know somebody steals all the time and I don't go to the bank, I just keep all my cash around, laying around my house. You know how I am, leaving cash around. Well, I'm probably not going to have that person over to my house because my cash will disappear. That doesn't mean I don't like them. I just don't trust them. And you're allowed to not trust people. You with me? That's exciting. You're allowed to not trust people. You are. Oh, I'm a Christian. I've got to trust everybody. Okay then you got a three-year-old kid, then just trust him to any babysitter. Oh, no, you can't do that. No, you don't trust everybody. I don't even trust you guys. No, I'm kidding. 
I'm not try, don't trust anybody. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we can love everybody, but we just won't put our trust in everybody. Right? I mean, if somebody just doesn't come through for you and doesn't come through for you, you can love them, you can be nice to them, but when I need a ride to the airport, I'm not calling them. And if I do, I better have a backup plan. And then if I already know they're not trustworthy and they don't show up, then of course I should get upset with them. Right? No. You should get, if anybody, you should go, why did I do that? I knew better. They weren't trustworthy. There's no reason for me to get mad at them. That's an exciting message here. But it's the truth. Sometimes people put blame on some people, and really the blame just needs to go back on me. Like if my life is jacked up, I can't blame my parents. I can't blame schools. I can't blame the government. I can't blame my neighborhood. I was brought up in the desert. I would be taller if I was brought up in a cool climate. I mean, I'd be different. No. Jesus said here, if you want to change change your heart. Get the truth out of the Word of God and get it planted in your heart. There's people who will say, well, you know, I'm just too busy with life. You know, i got to watch these TV programs. Well, out of the good treasure of the heart, we bring forth good or bad. So you just have to realize, if I want different things in my life, I need to change the treasure of my heart. Like I said, it's not about legalism. You can watch TV, but if the Lord deals with you, are you noticing the word? This just does not line up. Then maybe you should just go, nah, I'm not going to do that. You with me? So the first thing we look at here is this. Change what's in you. Do something to feed yourself on the word. And here's the thing, not just sit in front of the Bible and read it all day long. I can't go to work, I can't do anything. No, when he's talking about changing your heart, he's really talking about uh, changing the way you think, the way you process things. In other words, you're going to have to confront some things that just rise up in your life and you're going to have to go, whoa, I used to always think this way, I can't do that. You out there? I mean... It doesn't take long uh, to be around people at, at work or different places to find out that different people have different parameters around their life. I mean, I worked with people when I uh, worked in construction. I remember one time we were working uh, in the west side in Southern California in a real wealthy neighborhood, and we were doing a conversion on this building and uh, I had these guys, and I was looking around. I'm like, where are they at? You know, it was like Beverly Hills type area. And I was like, where, where are these guys at? I had some guys working, and some just totally disappeared. And, and I was like, man, I'm looking around, and there's these two, like, mid-rise apartment complexes, you know, 15, 20 stories high. And I'm looking around, and all of a sudden, they're all standing at the edge of the pool looking at the girls. That's what we hired them to do. Check out the girls. I said, what are you guys doing? 
But here's the thing, you could get around them all the time, all the time. And they would say, check her out, check this part out, check that out. And I'm thinking, I don't need, I need to check out, not check this out. But you can't adopt that kind of thinking. And when you come to know the Lord, and you can't just sit there and entertain stuff. Why is it that they do that? Because that's in their heart. So they act on their heart. We need to act in line with the truth. And so, and it can be a process to get some of that stuff flushed out of you. Thank you for your excitement. And, um, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, if you're going to work in those environments, you're going to have to watch what gets into your heart. I remember I got out of Bible school. I went to go to work with this company. And I remember it was like everybody was cussing. And here I left Bible school. Nobody cusses. Now I'm like everybody's cussing. And I mean like you would have thought they went to a school where instead of the and thou or the and you and and, they just switched them to the F word. I was like, how can you use the F word that much? I didn't even know you could fit it into a sentence like that. You know, I just remember conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up phrases and clauses and making them function. They just use the F word to make everything function. And I'm like, that, this isn't schoolhouse rock. I mean, this, this doesn't seem right. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, here I am. I don't want to cuss, and I don't want to get that in my heart. And uh, you have to be disciplined. But you know, it can be done to where it becomes easy. So you know what I did? I found a verse of scripture in Ephesians. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. And I remember walking around on job sites underneath my breath. I would hear people cuss. Just, I mean, like nobody's business. God hears all this. But what has that got to do with me? I gotta, I'm hearing it too. I'm different than God. So I would walk around under my breath. I bet if I said it a hundred times, I said it a thousand at least in a week. That's no joke. I let no. I could remember walking upstairs. I let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. And you know what I said when I got done? I'll let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth. But that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. You know, I, the thoughts, cuss words would come into your mind. They'd show up. Huh. Hey, now. I mean, because you're hearing them. First time I went to Peru, I remember in the 90s, I remember being out on the streets and out on the streets and out on the streets. And then when I came back into the hotel, I went, I remember getting in the lobby and for some reason there weren't team members or anybody with us or with me. I got into the elevator to go up to the floor I was in. And I remember all of a sudden just it kind of got quiet and all I could hear was, and I mean, I'm just hearing Spanish, roll, roll, roll through my mind. And I thought, wow, this is kind of weird. 
well, how did that happen? Because I just was sitting out there hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. And you may hear things in your mind, but that doesn't mean they originate in your mind. And it doesn't mean it's a way you want to be. And it doesn't mean it's a way you should be. You with me? And so we live in a world that just causes stuff to come. So we need to guard our minds so we guard our hearts. Because Jesus said what you allow into your heart will come out. And if, you know, you haven't been perfect in cussing, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. Um, But I am saying we can work on things. And we need to be careful that the things that are in the world, we don't start entertaining them and taking them as our own. You with me? And I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the negative ways. I'm talking about all kinds of things that the world would bring. I mean, you'll hear them talk, and it'll be anti-God and anti-God way. Great, the economy is going down. We're all going to be in trouble. I don't know what we're going to do. Wait a minute, is God bigger than the economy? Is he able to make people prosper in a time when it's not good? Absolutely. You with me? Is God able to help you? Well, everybody else, it's not working this way for everybody. Be careful where you're, you're uh, sticking your ears. Because just because it's not working in the system for everybody else doesn't mean it's not going to work good for you because God's for you, not against you. And you got to be careful because he said the things that get into your heart are the things that begin to dominate your life. And you'll start being known by what's in your heart. If you don't like where you're at, don't get frustrated. Work on your heart. If I don't like what I'm getting in my garden, then the first thing I should do is just get totally upset. I just can't believe this. I, it's all this junk here. No, I just pull it out and start planting something else. And in time, I'll get a blade, an ear, and the full thing will grow. You with me? Life has a way of planting. You with me? Now, I'm going to read this next set of scripture, and you might think, well, wait a minute, is this going to be different? And it actually really connects to what we just said. Notice this, uh, verse 46. He said, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Whoever comes to me, now notice this phrase, and hears my sayings. No no matter who you are, if you give your life to the Lord, you've come to him and you've heard his sayings. But notice he said, if you come to me and hear my sayings, every Christian should have a relationship with God's word. And then you should grow and know God's word. You should know there's an old covenant. And there's a new covenant. And God approaches people under the old covenant different than the new covenant. And there are reasons why. And God set it up that way. And he looks at people who are under the new covenant uh, that have received him as different than the ones under the old covenant. In a better way. But what we need to realize is we need to have a relationship with the word first. Whoever comes to me and hears... My sayings, you're in business. You're in business. How many of you have ever heard the word? We've heard the word. But notice what he said. 
hears my sayings and does them. I will show you who he is like. The person who hears the truth and does what they hear, I'll show you what he's like. I'm going to show you what, what he's like. What's interesting when he shows us what he's like, he's not just going to show us what this person's like, but in one sense he is going to show us that, but he's going to show us what he's like when stuff comes against him. Notice this. He is like. He is like. He is like. Who is like? He who hears and acts on the truth. You know, act on the word. Act in line with the truth. He is like. Notice this. This is huge. Because we talked about getting the truth in us. Now he's saying, he who hears the word and then does the word. So it's got to be both. It can't be one or the other. He who hears the truth and does the truth, he is like. Now, I can't change this and go, if you just hear the word, you're like this. It's got to be here, and it's got to be due. He is like a man building a house. He's like a man building a house. Is it easy to build a house? Does it work? But he's like a man who built a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Now, I know when you build, there are times... My grandparents had a, built a place years ago in the northwest on the side of the hill, and they dug parts of the hill out, and it was just on a huge rock. And when they dug, the deal was get to the rock. Get to the rock. Because that's a great foundation. But if you build on sand, eh, not always the best. But he said he digs deep, gets down to this rock, and then it says, and when the flood arose, oh wait, there was a flood coming against this guy? And the stream, so the water level rose, and the stream beat vehemently against the house, and it could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Now, a lot of people have said this means people who build their house on Jesus will not fall. That's not what he was teaching. That's not what he was teaching. He said a person who hears the truth and does the truth is like somebody who builds on a rock foundation, and when the water starts coming and rising, then starts flowing, and here's what's interesting. He said, if you hear the word and you do the word, you're like this. So we're looking at it from the outside, you know, in, so to speak, or from, 
from our perspective, we're seeing this guy. I think this is real important because he's kind of telling us what the guy is facing. He purposed to build on this rock, and then it says these waters rose, and the water started flowing like a stream and was beating against this house, and it says vehemently. And what's real interesting is, you know, I, I would just think that means just real strong. But if you look at the definition, it literally means in a, for, in, in a forceful way or in a passionate way or in an intense manner with great feeling. Why would he use all those emotional qualities and things like that when he's talking about building on a rock because he's talking about persons or people who will hear the word and who will choose to act on it. There is going to be forcible stuff that's going to come against you. There's going to be uh, things that are passionate. It starts kicking over into the emotional realm. Thoughts are going to come against you. It's not working. It won't work for you. You heard the word. You put it in your heart. You might as well quit. No, he's saying when you hear the word and you get it in your heart and you start acting on it, he said there will be storms that will come. And what we're going to look at in a second is everybody is going to face a storm. And you'll get challenged by stuff forceful that will attack you. You'll be going about your business and thoughts will come and you're just minding your own business. And you'll think, what's my problem? There's something wrong with me. No, no. Jesus said they'll come. The only way to overcome and to live victorious is to act on the word. Is the word worthy to be acted upon? Is it really worthy to be acted upon in the face of trouble, in the face of pressures that would come? Is it, is it worthy to be acted on? Is it valuable enough? That's why there is such a great danger in the day we live. They say, well, the word of God, you know, it's been translated so many times. Man, they have found scrolls with all but one of the Old Testament books, and they've come to find out, and they were written hundreds of years before the New Testament was even put together, and they line right up, and they're not like people of just outwardly, just because somebody speaks something, go find out the truth. Oh, it's been translated so many times, you just can't trust the Word of God. Then you can't trust for salvation, you can't trust for nothing, then you're in the same business they're in, miserable. But it is worthy. And we found that it hasn't changed since it's been translated. So if it hasn't, then you just got to pony up and go, either I'm believing it or not. Either I'm acting on his word or not. But he said, if you act on it, don't think you're not going to face some pressure. Why is it that you face pressure? Because the enemy doesn't want you to give in. Circumstances would rather tell you, no, nah, this can't change. But he said, if you'll act on the word, the storms will come and eventually they won't knock you down. But that means you got to hear it and act. 
Notice the very next verse. Here's a question. Are you acting like the Word of God is true? It's a good question. How do I know if I'm acting like the Word of God is true? That's a good question. Because what if I said act like the Word of God is true and you went, cool, I'm in business, but you weren't. Wouldn't you want to know? There's a term in the Bible called unbelief and, or disbelief, and people wouldn't act on the Word. If you're going to act on the Word of God, thoughts are going to come against you that are going to say, this ain't working, you're a bad person, this won't work for you. You're going to have to rebuke those and not entertain them and begin to entertain the Word and act solely on the Word and go, hey, this thought may come, but this ain't me. I trust the Word of God. I'm going to act like it's so because it is so. And those are the winds, the waves, the water, the stream. And notice, when you act, you act like it's true. You'll be able to withstand. You'll be able to overcome. But notice this. He, he tells us the other side of the story. But he who heard the word and did nothing... He, in other words, he didn't act like the word was true. When the Lord said, you're free from sin, and you don't have to live that way anymore, instead of acting in line with the truth and resisting the thoughts that would say, no, you've got to live that way. You just have this craving. You're going to have this craving all your life. You can resist that and start acting in line with the truth and those streams and rivers may come against you, but if you make your stand, you'll win. You'll overcome. But I guarantee you, water rises for everybody. Streams beat against everybody because he's going to tell you that right now. But he who heard the word, heard and did nothing. So whoever hears the word falls into one of two categories. And the category is determined by the individual. Not by God. He heard and did nothing. He didn't act like it was true. When the opportunity came to forgive, he, when that stream came and said, they've just done you so wrong, they're just not for you, I would act this way to them. And then I go, yeah, I'm going to act that way to them. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to act this way to them. They've just done this so much, I'm going to do this. You know that person is not acting on the Word? And, and those rivers and that water that's rising is pushing to tell you, don't. And it'll make you fall. Because here's the thing, if you don't act on the Word in that area, the Bible said where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. You can't resist the devil and make him leave from that. You can't. The devil will just stay because you open the door. Isn't it true during the summer here we tell people, close the door? Why? Because we don't want what's outside in, and we don't want what's in out. Keep the door closed. The only time we open the door is in the middle of winter because we don't mind what's outside being in and what's inside getting out. 
And if you're going to keep some of this stuff out, you've got to act on the word and you've got to get rid of envy. You've got to get rid of strife. God can't get it out of you. You've got to get it out of you. That's acting on the word of God. I'm not going to get bitter at these people. Now remember, I don't have to trust them or anything like that, but I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to internally get messed up where I open up the door. Because why? If, if I hear the word but I don't act... Notice, but he who heard the word, heard and did nothing, is like. He's like. Notice, each person in this room is like something. And we're going to be like either one. A man who built his house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat, in other words, that flood came to him too. That flow came and beat vehemently. In other words, he got it in the emotional realm too. The person acting on the word and the person not acting on the word face the same thing. But it says, and immediately it fell, the house fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Everybody's going to be challenged in your emotions, your thoughts. But you're going to need to hear the word and then begin to have to act on it. When fear comes, you're going to have to say, no, I'm acting on the word of God. And fear can be breathing down your neck. Hey, fear comes to everybody. It's not what comes against you that determines what happens. Years ago... I remember I was waiting for some people. I had gone to their house, and uh, they said, here, you can just sit here in the living room and wait. We've got to go get some stuff. And, they, and there was one or two people there, and they went into their rooms, and they were doing stuff. And they said, you could just turn the TV on. So I turned it on, and a war movie came on. You know one of those old ones? You know what I'm talking about? The ones that are black and white that they turned color so everything's a shade of green. Their skin, the Jeep. Their uniforms, the trees, the sand, it's all just different shades of green. And you're like, this is color. And I remember the, the credits came on, and, you know, they're right into a battle. You know what's wild? The Lord spoke to me plain as day inside. And I turned it off right after. He said, it's not the battles of life that determine, you know, when people are in a battle, it's not the battle that determines how they come out. It's what people do in the battle that determines how they'll be when they come out. And that's basically what he's saying here in this book. He said, if you hear the word but don't act like the word is true, I don't even like using that word because the word is true. But it does help you realize you got to act like it is true because it is true. But if you don't act on it, then you're not really agreeing or you know it's true. You're just not doing. And when the storm comes, you're going to get whacked. I'll get whacked, whoever. So is God's word worthy? It is worthy to be acted on. First Samuel 30 verse 6 says this, David, when he faced a tough time in his life, he acted on the truth and he encouraged himself in the Lord. 
everybody was against him. You ever thought of encouraging yourself when you're in the middle of a tough time? Yay, I'm in the middle of a tough time. Whoopee! That's not encouraging yourself. Encouraging yourself is going, God's in you. He's helping you right now. You can make it. He'll watch over his word. You act on it, you'll see the results. God won't let you down. He'll see to it because his thoughts toward you are good. I'm just quoting scripture. He's on your side. Well, the enemy say, you haven't been good enough. Thank God I haven't, but Jesus has. He's washed me. That stuff's behind. I'm acting on the truth. Here we go. And you got to encourage yourself. When? When everything's good? No, when the floodwaters come and that water starts flowing and trying to attack you. James tells us this. When you fall into different tests and trials, it says, count it all joy in James 1, 2. Have you counted it joy when the storm came? That's stupid. No, it's not. Not if you read the verses we just read, because here's the thing. No matter the test, you're guaranteed the victory if you're a doer of the word. So I can count it joy. Glory to God, I'm winning. I'm going to win this. Or I have a choice to win. I can just act on the word. Am I acting on the word? Am I thinking it's not working? I'm quitting acting. I mean, what does it look like to act on the word? Remember when Jesus said, let us go over to the other side to the disciples. Jesus went and fell asleep. All the disciples get up and wake him up in the middle. There's this massive storm coming. Wake him up. Don't you care that we perish? We're perishing. He didn't, you know, don't you care about us? Jesus said, I'm glad you're acting on the word. Do you think that was acting on the word? Them whining? No, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We're not going to die in the process. And he said, where's your faith after he rebuked the storm? The issue was they were totally not acting on the truth. They were entertaining wrong stuff in the middle of a test and a trial. They were picturing themselves drowning. Jesus said, we're going to make it. They're picturing themselves drowning. They're picturing themselves sinking. They're not acting on the word. And the floodwaters literally are coming and the storm is beating on them. And they're not acting on the word and seeing themselves the way the Lord said it was going to be. So if he said, count it all joy when you fall into tests and trials then that means, why would I count it joy? Somebody said, I don't want to. Well, you can either be a doer of the word or not a doer of the word. It's totally cool. But don't be shocked with the results. And then don't shake your fist at God and go, God, why didn't you? You No, we should shake our fist at ourselves and go, why didn't you act on the word? Let's go to James real quick. We're going to read one other verse after this, but I want to look at this because I want to skip through a few verses. James 1, 2, it says, My brethren, 
James 1, first chapter, verse 2. And we're about done, but I think it's important to look at these two verses together. James 1, verse 2 says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, tests, tough times. Have you gotten excited? Have you? Don't tell other people to get excited. Have you? Said, praise the Lord. Because remember, if I'm a doer of the word, I'm guaranteed victory. So no wonder I can count it all joy. This is not the end. This is not the end. Hallelujah. And then the devil said, you're hallelujah-ing? Well, you just watch. No, you just watch. God's word is good. Notice verse 12. Blessed is the man who, who's blessed? The man who endures temptation. You endure, you push back, you make your stand. Who's blessed? The person who quits? No, the person who endures. Remember, he said, count it all joy when you fall into various tests. Here he said, and temptations and trials. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, in other words, when he has been proved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You could say it this way, the life of God that's in you will crown you. It will come upon you when you make your stand. Isn't it interesting, the day Jesus made his stand, for multiple days, when he came out of that test and trial, how did he come out? Defeated? No. Why? Because he acted on the word. The Bible said angels came and strengthened him at the end when he made his stand. And then it said he returned in the power of the Spirit. You are guaranteed to go from glory to a greater degree of glory every time you make your stand. And you act on the word. Now we're going to close right here in Jeremiah. In the Old Testament. Because if you just really look. Jeremiah the first, first chapter. We need to hear the word. And get it in our heart. Like it said. Then we need to just not hear the word. We need to act on it like it's true. But notice it's not just when everything is green and rosy. And the flowers are out and the sun is shining, and the birds are chirping, you got to do it when the vultures are circling. And you can do it. And you can count it a joy. You say, well, why? Because is God's word and God going to fail you, is the question. If you will target acting on the word, Will God fail you? Will He let you down? So it doesn't matter if I hear 10,000 sermons. If I don't act on them, I'm not going to be helped. But will God ever let me down? Will He let anybody down? Will He ever fail to release you from guilt if you make your stand against condemnation? Will He ever not allow something to work for you? Now, if you look at the life of Jesus, he was showing how God was. 
And we don't see that kind of stuff. We see he wanted people to win. It's still the same today, no matter what you've done. Jeremiah 1.12 says this, Then the Lord said to me, this guy was his prophet here, You have seen well. He had observed something in the Spirit. He said, For I am ready to perform my word. One translation said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. Somebody said, well, I'm watching for God to perform it too. You know what he's doing? He's watching to see if you'll act on it like it's true, and then he'll perform it for you. But when is it that you're going to have to do this? Eh, Probably in the middle of a storm at some point. Sometime it won't be a storm. But acting on the word you can count it joy. Why? Because this is going to change. I'm acting on the Word. It has to change. It has to. Either that or we chuck the book. And you can't chuck the book because it is God's Word. Period. So then if I hear it, i got to do. 